All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to apologize. We're here about to begin part two of episode 17. We've had a lot of technical difficulties this evening, but we're fighting through because you know what? Eric says it's our motto now. The farmers fight here on this podcast. You know, the Triple F fights hard for you, for you fans out there. So we're not letting some technological difficulties stop us here on the Triple F podcast. So we're just going to keep rolling. Eric, Brent, y'all are both talking about Joe Shiesty just coming in there and just unexpectedly rolling the bills. Dane, give us your two cents and kind of how were you feeling about that game and what was your takeaways? Well, Slade, you know, you said farmers fight. Podcasters also fight. We got to stick through this. We got to get through these tough times and we got to just do our best to give the people what they want. And uh, the people want to know my two cents. I actually didn't watch the game. Watching highlights, it looked like Joe Burrow was in his bag, uh, like the cool kids say. So Joe Burrow is the freaking goat. You know, and Slade, you just kind of talked about all the the problems we have. It kind of seems like Pat Mahomes trying to play through an injury. It's like the podcaster, the FFF, trying to fight through these technical difficulties. And it's tough, but it's doable. And that's what I think that Mahomes did. He – he came through, he got hurt, he got that high ankle sprain, and he played through it, and I think he's going to be good to go. I The line on that game is jumping all which around, so I don't know what the hell to do, but you know, I'm going to bet on that game for sure. I just don't know what I'm going to do yet. One thing that I think we're fortunate for is obviously all of this young quarterback talent in the NFL. you got to appreciate that. We're living in a great era of football, and it feels like it's going to live on for a while. But one thing that I'm so excited for is – I personally feel like we could not have two more likable quarterbacks, likable young guys here in the AFC Championship game. You know, a lot of people go after Mahomes for his family background, but whenever it comes to Mahomes as a leader and as a player, you got to love him. I mean, you got to love seeing on the sideline him getting absolutely pissed, not being able to go back in the game. I mean, he looked like hell. I couldn't believe they went back in there. Uh, Brent, I need to hear your feedback on this, but Watching that and watching that injury, I couldn't believe they weren't dragging him to the sidelines to evaluate him after that nasty injury, that nasty roll-up. It looked horrible, but you got to love the fight in the quarterback. And as a player, that's got to make you want to just lay it all out on the line for your dude. But Brent, whenever you're watching that from a physical therapy standpoint, was just the medical side of you screaming to get Patrick Mahomes out of there so that they could evaluate him? Absolutely. It looked really bad, you know, when it happened and you watched the replay. And, you know, what I thought, you know, so Chad Haney came in and, and had that amazing 98-yard drive. I really didn't think that Patrick Mahomes was going to come back into the game after halftime. But surprisingly, he did, which, I mean, it's not surprising. You know he wants to be out there and he's going to fight for his boys. But it's pretty scary, especially when you think you can get away with that win. You kind of want to almost look to the next week, which sounds terrible. You know, the game was far from over, but uh, very scary stuff. But luckily, it's sounding like it's not too bad. It's, you know, he's starting to practice and he's saying it's feeling better than what he even expected. So uh, that's good news for, for Patrick Mahomes. And Brent, is there any value? I mean, none of us got to be professional athletes, so we weren't that caliber of talent. But, you know, Dane had his fair share of ankle injuries. I'm sure everybody here has rolled an ankle and rolled with a bum ankle before. Is there any kind of value in keeping the blood flowing and not letting it swell up? Was there any value of him continuing to play it out through that game? Yeah, so 
contrary to popular belief, icing your ankle is is not the best thing to do uh, when you sprain it. You know, it's good to be moving around and have some some range of motion there. So yes, it's good to be moving to go out there and play in the in an NFL football game. I don't know if that's the best thing for it, but yes, you know, you saw him walking around on the sideline, jumping up and down. That was good for him, and that's what you need to do. Um, you don't need to just sit down and put it in an ice bucket. So, you know, obviously those trainers and everything, the medical staff, they know what they're doing there. Um, and when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he he knows his body better than anyone else. So, um, you know, feel like they trusted him, and he went and did his thing. And luckily, it didn't get worse. So they squeaked away, and I think he's going to be good for this week. I think one thing, Brent, um, with Patrick Mahomes, one thing that keeps him out there is he's from Texas. He's a good old tough boy, and that's why he went back out there and gave it all, gave it a fight all the way to the fourth quarter. Yeah, he probably just went out there and rubbed some Whataburger sauce on his ankle, and he was just good to go. Yeah, that ketchup-loving son of a gun really put it on the line, and I thought he was playing so well to start that game. I thought we were going to see one of Patrick Mahomes' all-time playoff games. I thought he was just going to light it up. I thought the Jags had no chance with the way he was playing, but then that injury goes down, and I said, oh, shoot, things look different. Well, now I feel like things look different here coming up this week. You know, these are two high-powered offenses. Both of them need to be at their peak to compete with one another. What do y'all feel like, Brent, I'm going to ask you this from a physical therapy standpoint. What do you feel like, what percentage of Patrick Mahomes, what percentage of himself does he need to be in order to compete with the Bengals and give the Chiefs a chance to win? Well, what I hate about this, this game has all the hype in the world, and rightfully so. I mean, it is going to be so fun to watch. What I hate about this game is that if the Bengals win, everyone's going to put an asterisk on this game because they're going to say Patrick Mahomes was not at 100%, which is, I can't argue with it. I just hate that there would be an asterisk if the Bengals win. So, you know, a high ankle sprain is worse than just a regular ankle sprain and and so obviously it's you know it's easy to say he's not going to be at 100 percent this weekend even after this whole week of rest and rehab so i hate to see that but i still feel like the the chiefs have every chance of winning this game i mean everything is to me everything's leaning towards the chiefs winning they are not going to lose to the Bengals four times in a row you know in the afc championship once again you just it's at Arrowhead Stadium. Everything is leaning towards the Chiefs winning this game, and I I just don't know what's going to happen. Actually, I'll get back to it later in the locks of the week, but um, I don't think that it's going to make as big of an outcome on the game as people might think. So, Brent, I'm going to almost take a little bit different approach. To answer your question, Slade, I think that this is going to take a Superman effort from Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to have to have one of the best games he's had because – when you look at the the Chiefs offense and the Bengals offense, they're both playing lights out right now. They're both on fire and they're both extremely good. But where I think that the advantage almost goes to the Bengals is their defense is so underrated and they are sneaky good. And I think that they're quite a bit better than the Chiefs defense. And so what what I really feel is that if it comes down, you know, let's just say Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow go touchdown for touchdown, you know, or they're playing at least even, I, I can see the Bengals getting the one stop that the Chiefs defense can't get. So so I think that 
Patrick Mahomes really has to play well, and it's gonna he's gonna have to put on the Superman cape. But did y'all see that they're calling it? All the Bengals fans and all the Bengals players are calling it Burrowhead, and they are driving all of the stats of the Joe Burrow record against Patrick Mahomes on every social media platform. They're driving it down every platform's throat right now. And if you need to quit doing that, don't poke the bear because you poke Patrick Mahomes, you might not like the results you're gonna get. I got to say, I love that, Eric, that they're calling it Burrowhead. I think that's hilarious. And what I really love about this is this was the rivalry that has started that we didn't really expect. You know, we all thought that it was going to be Burrow versus Josh Allen for years to come. They thought that that was going to be the next Brady-Manning rivalry where they're always playing each other for a spot in the Super Bowl. But now it's not. It's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has taken that spot. He is number one, number two in that division. I mean – Call it what you want. But what to Slade, to answer your question, we're going to have to see Mahomes do something that we haven't had to see him do yet, and that's be a pocket passer. What makes him so great and what makes Colin Cow – golly, blanking on his name. But uh, Chris Collinsworth, what makes him just go crazy in his seat, and, you know, start saying some questionable things, is whenever Mahomes on the run and he makes a crazy throw – if he's as hurt as everybody thinks he is, he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to have to stay in the pocket, and he's going to have to get it out early. It seems like it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk, and so we'll see how he does with that because that's something he's never had to do in his whole career. Eric, I love that you threw out the Burrowhead comments. I feel like the Bengals are coming in in a totally different mindset from last year. You know, last year they were the underdog team and really nobody was paying attention. It kind of felt like that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. You know, they were wearing the underdog hats. You know, they kind of had that feel to them last year. Well, this year everybody knows how damn good the Bengals are. Everybody knows how good Joe Burrow is. And they're coming in with a little flair, a little style. They like to come in and, you know, they want to punch you in the face and smile while they're doing it. Well, I think that that could be a faulty error. Who knows? Only time will tell, but I think one thing that could be the difference and people aren't really talking about it, I think Andy Reid comes out to play. I think he wants to see his Eagles playing him in the Super Bowl. I think he is going to outcoach Zach Taylor. I think that could possibly be the difference in the game. I think you could see some magic from Andy Reid compensating for his hurt quarterback, getting the ball into his hands. You know, Travis Kelsey had 14 catches last week. And they were all in very creative ways by just Pat or by just Travis Kelsey being the safety blanket. He's going to have to do that all game. And so I think that Andy Reid is going to work his wonder, and I think that this could be a huge legendary play-calling game for Andy Reid. Going from a play-caller standpoint, Riley, we got our new play-caller in here. Give us some stuff. I think one thing that you're finally going to see this season that they've gotten away with is Tyreek Hill finally being gone. I think this game is going to show that they do need Tyreek Hill and that his loss is more than just what Travis Kelsey can carry. I, I This definitely could be the game, you know. it's it, You can never replace a Tyreek Hill, and you can, you know, scheme all you want, but you don't get speed like that anywhere else. So, you know, we've been waiting for it to show up all, all year. Maybe this is the week. Riley, only time will tell. You heard it here first on the Triple F podcast. Riley called him out. And one thing I think we also have to call out, we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but I want to revisit this just for a second. You know, we talked about the Buffalo Bills and just absolute shocker. Well, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes hasn't been able to get over the hump of Joe Burrow in these past couple seasons, but the Bills just can't seem to get over that hump. You know, everybody buys into him year in and year out towards the beginning of the season and the offseason. We always feel like the Bills are the next team. You know, Josh Allen is the man, the rocket arm. What is going wrong? Like, why can't they get over this hump? Brent, whenever you're looking at this, I mean, who's to blame and what do the Bills have to do? Because let's face it, it's not getting any better. The contracts aren't getting any friendlier. Their time's running short. I mean, the time the, the year to win felt like right now. How do you feel about this Bills team moving forward? 100% agree, Slade. It's a tough scene in Buffalo right now. I think you could kind of see the frustration coming out at the end of the game, you know, with Stephon Diggs literally yelling at Josh Allen. I mean, that is a tough scene. It's discouraging for them because, you know, to be fair, they got dealt some tough hands this year. They had some injuries, you know, Von Miller, um, you know, Josh Allen kind of hurting his elbow. So they were dealt some tough hands, but I feel like this is going to happen every single year unless they develop a run game. They are relying way too much on Josh Allen to play hero ball every single game, and it caught up with him this year. He was throwing picks in the last, you know, fourth quarter drives when it really mattered. He would throw a pick and they'd lose the game. They can't expect him to be perfect every single game and just go out there and play hero ball and throw 60 times a game all by himself. They don't run the football, and and you got to run the football. I mean, I, I just – you got to do it. So, to me, that's the one thing that they need to change is develop a run game and actually stick to it and don't ditch it in the first quarter when the first three runs of the game don't work. Yeah, Brent, that's a good point. Um, the last – Four teams that are still in the playoffs right now all have offensive-minded head coaches. Uh, I think you it's hard, like Sean McDermott, It's you, I feel like you can't be like, okay, we're going to fire him after this year. I feel like that's really hard. But I do think that they're kind of being held back personnel-wise and scheme-wise because they are a defensive-minded team. Like Greg Cosell, he brought this up, and he watches NFL film, and he does a bunch of stuff like that. He, he was talking about – they're running deep routes in the snow. Like the receivers were running like 40-yard routes, and it's snowing outside. Nobody can plant or run full speed. Um, I just thought their offensive game plan versus what Zach Taylor did with the Bengals was, I mean, it was just a total mismatch. And um, until they start getting a little more offensive-minded where they can run the ball or they can kind of get their personnel a little bit better as far as running backs go and, and, and their creativity on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. It's it's like you said, it's kind of a tough spot. I think y'all both just nailed it right on the head. You know, Eric, th you threw out that uh, last four teams in the NFL are all uh, offensive-minded head coaches. And Cowherd was actually – he's been talking about this for a while, and I know y'all all listened to him. But he said every great team, minus the Buffalo Bills – and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they all have offensive-minded coaches. Now, like you said, Eric, does that mean they go and fire him? No, they shouldn't. I think Sean McDermott is a hell of a coach, but I think he needs to go after someone like a Cliff Kingsbury or like a young hotshot that just can do some crazy, stupid shit with all of his talent on his offensive side to go out and make some plays and go out and you know not rely on Josh Allen in the defense. they got to get that figured out because if not – they're going to get stuck in that whirlpool of Chiefs and Bengals teams. And I just – I don't see them getting it done unless they make some personnel changes. 
there definitely needs to be a big look in the mirror for the Bills organization. And you know what has to be coming, you know, like you said, uh, Brent, you talked about, you know, um, that Stefan Diggs wasn't too pleased and it's kind of turned into a Twitter crisis, you know, probably for their PR team. You know, you have to be sitting there as a Bills fan, just feeling your heart being ripped from your chest. Well, I know that there has to be some other fans getting their hearts ripped out of their chest. It's any fan of the NFC on the Triple F podcast because we haven't shown them any love on this podcast. The NFC Championship is coming up, and the Eagles freaking kicked the shit out of the Giants. This is turning into a lot bigger game. I thought that the 49ers were going to come in and be heavy favorites, but now the Eagles coming in as favorites. What are your kind of feelings towards this? We know we've talked a lot about the 49ers and them rolling in hot. Well, the Eagles are no pushover. Dane, whenever you're evaluating this NFC championship game, how are you feeling about this? And really, where are you feeling like the strong point is for either team? I have no idea. You know, it's kind of the same thing for for both sides, for the AFC and the NFC. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. I have no leads. Uh, tried to talk to insiders. They didn't give me anything. But, you know, last week we were talking uh, – when you asked Eric and, and Brent what it would take for the Cowboys to beat the 49ers, and they said it would take a letdown game from Brock, from Brock Purdy and then another performance from Dak like he had against the Bucks. One of those two things happened, and Brock Purdy had his letdown game. That was his first NFL game without a throw a passing touchdown, which is, for one, insane. But I feel like he had his letdown game. I feel like now, you know, he got in the groove and that defense kind of carried him through this defense and George Kittle. And I think that, you know, everything about what I saw in that Eagles-Giants game says hammer the Eagles. The Eagles are the team to beat out of all four. But you can't count out Brock Purdy and that amazing 49ers defense. If I had to put all my money on it, I would probably take the 49ers. So I guess hammer the Eagles. Yeah, right. That's that's kind of how it feels gambling this year is, yeah, whatever your gut says, you almost do the opposite. But if there's, you know, I'm okay with three of these four teams winning the Super Bowl. There is one team I do not want to talk about, and there is one team that I pray does not win this weekend, and that is the Fly Eagles Fly, boys. I hate Philly. I hate their team. I hate their coach. Not a big Jalen Hurts fan. I don't want to see – I am – the fact that what they just did to the Giants is so annoying to me. Everybody's back on the Eagles train. Um, I've got a, I'm, I've got this game coming up in our Bet the Farm, so I don't want to give away too much. But don't forget how good this 49ers roster is and how hot this team is. I think a lot of times in the playoffs, especially when you're gambling, people overreact to what they just saw. So you just saw a blowout win by the Eagles, and you just saw the 49ers struggle against a really good Cowboys team. Don't forget that. I think that this line being two and a half is a – I think it is an overreaction by the public in general. We'll see. I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but what do you got, Brent? Yeah, Eric, you nailed it with all – you know, the 49ers, Bengals, and Chiefs, they're all likable teams. The Eagles are not. You just you hate to see it. I don't like them. I agree with you right there. One thing I was going to mention, you know, Dane, you were talking about Brock Purdy, and and you know, every game is big when you're in the playoffs. But to me, this game 
is going to dictate a lot of Brock Purdy's future. You know, he he really hasn't played great these past two playoff games, but for me it just feels like this game is going I feel like if he if he plays like a rock star during this game, he solidifies his QB1 spot next year on the 49ers. And I just think this is going to be a huge game for Brock Purdy. And personally, I'm rooting for him. I want him to go out there and ball out. I hope that they whoop the Eagles. And I just feel like this game is going to come down to the play of Brock Purdy. Sorry, fellas. My bad. My mic was turned off. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with some technological difficulties, so I've been trying to overcome them. But anyways, I love that you threw out there, Brent, that, you know, Brock Purdy, this says a lot about him, this game. I think that this game, a lot of it, obviously everybody feels like it rides on him, but I'm going to go back to the coaches again. I feel like Kyle Shanahan is just hurting more for a Super Bowl than any other head coach in the NFL still in the playoffs right now. So I think he puts all his poker chips on the table and he says, I'm getting us there. Hop on my back. I'm play calling us into this game. I think Nick Sirianni is a cocky you-know-what, and I think it comes back to bite him here in this game. I think that the 49ers are going to win this game, but I do think that the Eagles have the upfront capabilities to really punch back against the 49ers. Riley? Yeah, I think we're in store for two great games this weekend, to be honest. Um Eagles and 49ers both offensive, offensively, they both have weapons on on that side of the ball. Defensively, I think the 49ers are like number one in the NFL right now. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great game. Absolutely. I mean, we're so lucky. We say it all the time. Lucky for moisture. Lucky for good football. And another thing we're freaking lucky for is Dane keeps bringing the heat here on these non football segments to bring you a little life here into the triple f podcast without further ado without any more words from me dane borman take it away all right thank you slade so what we're going to do is play a little game called what would you do so i'm going to give you a scenario and you're just going to tell me what you would do if you were in the position to call the shots all right so we're going to get it started first off i'll send it to brent Brent, what would you do if you are the Cowboys? What would you do with Tony Pollard coming up next year? You're you're tied into Zeke through his contract till 2027, and that's when he becomes a free agent. What would you do with your RB1? Well, I didn't even know that we were tied to Zeke for that long. I, in a perfect world, I'd get rid of Zeke and I'd keep Pollard. But I don't know if it's going to make sense to do that. We're talking about drafting B. John Robinson, which I am not opposed to. I get, this feels like a sin, but I guess I would try and get something for Tony Pollard if we're wanting to draft B. John Robinson. I, I don't like this question. Well, the thing is, he he's going to be a, uh, an unrestricted free agent after this year. So you either got to sign him or he's gone and he's going to get paid. And, and what really sucks about that situation is – he was going to get paid, I mean, either from the Cowboys or another team until he got injured. I really don't know the extent of that injury. I think he broke his leg. Brent, go ahead and tell us. You would know more. He did break his leg, but as weird as it sounds, that was the best thing that could have happened. Um, with that injury, he needed – like it's it's just better if you break it, actually, instead of ruin all the ligaments. So 
I know he broke his leg and that looks bad, but that's an injury that he'll come back from and be a-okay in two months from now. So I don't think that injury is actually going to affect anything as far as teams making a decision on him. But that's hard. I mean, I don't know if you draft the rookie or if you stay with Pollard. I That's why I'm not in this position because I don't, I don't want to make decisions like that. That's the only reason why. It's also why you don't pay a running back for that long of a term like they did with Zeke. I know the Cowboys are always like to stay loyal, and that's a big part of their brand, but you got to think of it. It's a business. You can't be doing that. So next up, I'll kick this one to Eric. Eric, if you're the Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you know you need a quarterback. Veteran move would be the way to go. Um, Let's throw this one out there. If Aaron Rodgers is interested in going to the Jets, would you give up two first-round picks like it's rumored they want for him? Would you give that up for Aaron Rodgers if you are the New York Jets? I absolutely would because you have seen the talent on the Jets roster, how good they are, top to bottom, outside of a quarterback. And and they just now came off one of the best drafts in the history of the NFL draft with everything that they landed in this last draft. So you're not paying a ton of those guys. You're you've got to strike right now while you're paying you you are not paying a lot of your star players because they're all on rookie deals or or really cheap contracts. So you gotta you gotta strike right now. Draft draft picks to you right now don't matter. You need a quarterback and you can really be a serious contender. So absolutely, two first for Aaron Rodgers. If you can get him for two or three good years and really make a run at this thing, I would do it. I agree. I mean, you would hope that he could teach a guy like Zach Milson, but I don't know if he can't, if Zach Milson is teachable. Um, we'll see on that. I agree with you. I think they should go for it. So now we're going to go to Riley Stock. Riley, the Texans, what do they do in the draft? They effed it up so bad. They had the number one pick, and they just they just boned it. And so I want to know what they should do. Should they go for a quarterback? Should they stick with Davis Mills and try and build around him? I want to know your thoughts on that, what you would do. So I think Davis Mills is done. That that project is over with. That, that ship has sailed. We're done with that. Um, what's interesting right now is that the Bears have the number one pick. So there's rumors that they're going to trade it to the Colts. Colts may take a quarterback. Um, right now, looking at it, I would say Will Levis, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud are like the top three um, in my book. Personally, I would like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whichever one they do not take. But uh, I think the the future is bright. Um, maybe Sean Payton will come save us. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> pretty wishful thinking over there on your part. Um, maybe a little bit of delusion going on. Um, Okay, so now we're going to hop into San Francisco 49ers. What, Slade, you answer this one. What do you do with Trey Lance? Ooh, so that's tough. Um, you know, like like Brent said, I think ultimately what they do depends on how this season finishes for Brock Purdy. Whenever it comes to Trey Lance, unfortunately I'm not in the locker room. I can't see – the way he interacts with that locker room, the way he has respect or command of the huddle. Because I think that ultimately plays the biggest factor. We know he has the physical gifts. And I think that Kyle Shanahan is the best teacher and can help anybody put it together. Um, but I, I personally don't see that leadership. I don't see that mental 
um, you know, aspect that star quarterbacks have to have. Um, so right now, I think you kind of feel out some trades. I think you really, you know, feel like, I don't know, I, I, I love it because he's so cheap right now. I'm probably going to hold on to him, honestly. I'm probably going to hold on to him. You know, my gut says to go ahead and trade him, see what you can get. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like his value is high enough up there for you to throw away all the investment that you had. And, you know, what happens if Brock Purdy shits the bed halfway through the next season? I mean, I think you hold on to him because he's so cheap. It's not really hurting you. I think you hold on to him. I think you're right. I think you hold on to him unless you get a crazy trade for him. You know, like if, if someone like the Jets thought that he was that guy and they were willing to give up a first-rounder for him, if you're offered a first-rounder for him, I think you take it right away just because you kind of know you got your guy in Brock Purdy assuming he's – He's that dude. You know, he might have that dog in him. Um, so now, Brent, what would you do if you are the Chicago Bears with that number one overall pick? I'm not getting rid of Justin Fields. I mean, you know, they've been talking about this, and they make a good point. They they make all these crazy scenarios, and at the end of it, you're like, well, you know, that makes sense. But, man, I, I feel like he is – suffered through some hard times with the Bears and he has stuck with it and he has given them his all and I feel like he's committed and he's willing he's ready to stay there and and for them to build around him I like Justin Fields I've been rooting for him all season I thought he was fun to watch I would stay I would stick with him I hope they stick with him I think he deserves it which you know maybe actually for his own sake it would be awesome to be traded away but I hope that they keep him there. I would keep him there and start building him around, building around him. So would you keep that number one pick and use it on the best defender out there or best next option other than a quarterback? Or would you trade it and try and get, you know, maybe a one, two or a one, four or something like that? I would trade it away and get two or three picks for it. I think, I think you're right because I don't think there's that that one guy on defense that's just an outstanding home run hit. Will Anderson, he's probably the closest guy to it, but I don't think he's just the home run where you want to use a number one overall pick if you can get a few picks on that. Riley? So my thoughts on the number one pick is if I was the Bears, I I think you're going to get multiple number ones, um, especially with the quarterback class that they have right now. And you know the Texans are taking a quarterback, so you're – Indianapolis Colts or anybody like that, your Jets, for instance, want to jump up and get get a quarterback um, of that nature that, you know, like look at Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow right now. I mean, quarterback definitely makes a difference. Yeah, it does. But another thing that makes a difference is you look at the class for next year. It seems to be loaded. So you never know if teams are thinking their guys there now or their guys there next year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I have no idea what the hell I'd do if I was the Bears. But uh, Eric? Well, the Texans, they don't have to worry about that. They'll probably have a top three pick next year as well. So they can just go ahead and not worry about a quarterback this year. Go ahead and hammer that stout class next year. That's the good thing about the Texans is they never have to pay anybody past their rookie contracts because no one wants to sign back with them, and they'll go everywhere else except for Brandon Cooks. We're consistent. I mean, what can I say? We're consistent. (laughs) Okay, we'll switch it over. Eric, as much as you love this team – what would you do with Jalen Hurts? He's going to be a free agent in 2024. He had an MVP caliber season this year. Would you go ahead and sign him, 
or would you wait one more year and run the risk of pissing him off? I would pay Jalen Hurts. I don't particularly like him, and I, I, I've already said on this podcast how much I hate the Eagles, but look at how much he has gotten better across his, what, three, four years in the NFL, and then everything that just – the character that he has and, and his story from college where he got benched for Tua, then he went over to OU, and then he – I mean, he just had a great career, finished it off at OU, and, and he just improves. And I feel like he's just a worker. He's a leader. He is a workhorse. Um, if I'm an Eagles fan, he has shown me everything that he needs to show me, that he is our guy moving forward. So I've, I'm paying him. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to talk to him because I'm going to let him know, hey – you take 50, 45, 50, whatever, 40 million plus, you take that kind of money and you're hitting that kind of cap hit, it normally doesn't work out well for teams. And I'm going to just see because I think Jalen Hurts might be the type of guy that say, you know what, you're right, I'll do this for 32 or I'll do this for 34 instead of that 43, 44, whatever the number is going to be for those guys. He might be the type that would take a little bit of a pay cut because I think he honestly cares about his team. He cares about his reputation. I think he cares about winning. I think that's the bottom line. So so I'm going to sign him. I'm going to sign him early. I'm going to try to not do it for full price. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. The only thing that would make me think you wait a year is you kind of look at what happened with Slade's Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Hate to bring it up. Slade's flipping me off. I knew he would. But you look at that situation – and that's what makes you think a little bit. Well, I agree, Dane. That's a great point. But then you look at Lamar Jackson, and they might lose Lamar Jackson. So that's almost the exact opposite. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't with those running type quarterbacks like Kyler, like Lamar, like Jalen. You know, when they're running and you've got that risk of them getting hurt, you can kind of get burned either way. So that, that really does put you in a tough spot, Slade. And one thing I think that you brought up Lamar Jackson – I think you have to pay Jalen Hurts pretty quickly because if they pay Lamar this big, huge contract, he looks over at Lamar and says, I can do everything that he does. You know, whether it's true or not, all of them believe they're the guy. He was one of the top running quarterbacks this year. He does everything for that offense. The more these other quarterbacks keep getting paid big numbers, the more it drives their own price up. So, you know, I think that takes a big, I think that takes a big emphasis on paying him quickly. Yeah. So, uh, my next question is, if you're Lamar Jackson, what would you do? Riley, you answer this one. If you're Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offer you some money, let's say it's not quite a max contract, but let's say $40 million or so. If you're Lamar, would you say, F y'all, y'all waited too long on this, I'm out, especially because they, they really don't have a great roster around them? Would you go somewhere else or would you stay loyal to that team? I'm definitely looking around. Um, I know right now they've been talking for the last two years, and they did a little stopping point before the season started. That way they could focus on the season, not on his contract. But um, if I'm him, I'm looking around, trying to find something else. Um, The only thing I would settle for with the Ravens is the Deshaun Watson contract. Fully guaranteed, that amount of money, that amount of years. Other than that, I'm on a bit bigger and better things elsewhere. Perfect. Love it. Let's do one more real quick. Slade, this is the last one, so after this you just take it home. What do you do if you're the Giants with Danny Dimes? 
Uh, he's going to be a free agent coming into next year. He's a decent quarterback. What would you do with him? Man, that's tough. I mean, oh, man, Danny Dimes, I, I don't feel like you're in the market. You're not high enough to get a quarterback. I don't think you have enough pieces that you're going to trade away. I think you can if you can keep him for a cap-friendly deal, which if Daniel Jones has any self-awareness, if his agent has any self-awareness, you should sign for a very cap-friendly deal. If you can sign Daniel Jones for a cap-friendly deal, I think that Brian Dayball has proved that he is the coach that can make him work. Um, I think you might want to get another year under your belt with him. Sign him to a short, cap-friendly deal. I know that no uh, no quarterback is going to cut that out, um, and no quarterback is wanting to get rid of all that money, but I think you want to sign him to a cap-friendly deal. That's just my opinion. That's what I would do. Yeah, Slate, I agree, but and I don't even think he's expecting that much money. I think he knows his worth. He kind of knows his his place and where he stands uh, in the QB world. So I don't think you have to worry about overpaying him. He's not going to be asking for too much money. Yeah, I think that that's a good good point, Brent. I think he's really good at what he does, but he doesn't do too much, and so he doesn't need to be paid too much. So love the input. I agree with majority of y'all's. Uh, so now we're going to completely switch over into our next segment. We're going back into the drafts. You know, we haven't done a real draft in a while. So now we're going to do a death row meal draft. So you, everybody gets an appetizer, an entree, one side, and one dessert. Okay? Snake draft style. Slade, start it off with your appetizer. So for my appetizer, this was a tough go because – you know, I just love the appetizers. They have a special place in my heart. But I'm a bread guy, ladies and gentlemen. And I will die going with a full stomach of just pure bread. So for my appetizer, I have to take one of the best breads out there. The Texas Roadhouse Rolls with that cinnamon butter, just fantastic. Give me the Texas Roadhouse Rolls. Excellent pick, Slade. So for my appetizer... Um, you know, I kind of hyped up Hooters fried pickles, and the other day we went to Walk-Ons, and they have officially taken the throne, number one. Give me Walk-Ons, their fried pickles as my appetizer. Great pick, both of you. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different route for my appetizer. Give me a jalapeno popper. I want that jalapeno stuffed with cream cheese, and I want as much bacon as you can get on that sucker. Put, you know, bake just to perfection for some crispy bacon. I want you to bite into that thing and that cream cheese just falls all over your shirt. That's what I want. Give me the jalapeno popper. So for mine, there is nothing better than a good old fuego dip. That guacamole, cheese dip, oh, with the ground beef in the middle. Nothing better. That's my appetizer. All right. I love all those. I am going to take... Fried potato skins. Loaded fried potato skins. I think they go well with everything. They got a little cheese in there, maybe a little bacon bits and some chives on top. Dip them in a little bit of ranch and have yourself a good old time. Uh, for my entree, I'm taking the best thing out there. Give me the steak. Hey, you got to be more specific than just the steak, okay? Because we got to break this down a little bit more. Okay, so I want a ribeye cooked by myself. 
Nobody can cook a steak better than me, so give me a ribeye that I cook myself. Is that what you wanted to hear? That's fair enough. I wanted you to classify that you wanted a ribeye. So that, that's fair. That works for me, Dan. Medium rare ribeye. So for me, on my entree, it's called the El Bombero. It's from Laura's Cafe in Ocampo, Texas. This is a beautiful chicken or beef fajita, however you want it, over a bed of onions and bell peppers. On top, you have a thin white queso with shrimp, crab meat, and crawfish all mixed together. Tell me that does not sound like heaven. It sounds pretty tasty. My my mouth is actually watering. So since you went ribeye specifically, I'm going with the medium rare eight ounce filet mignon, bacon wrapped. I, I you slice right through it, and it's just like butter in your mouth. There's nothing better. Give me the filet mignon. I think we all know an eight ounce filet mignon does not fill Eric up. I think he's just pissed that I took the ribeye. <laughs> Uh, those are good picks. So I, I feel like I'm allowed to do this. So my pick, I'm going with the surf and turf. Give me, give me some steak. Give me a New York strip and then put some grilled shrimp on the side with it. Nothing better than some surf and turf. Give me that all day. Man, it sucks to see Brent have to take the New York strip with a surf and turf, but, um, you know, Shout out to all you steak lovers out there. I'm going to lose a lot of points here on this next one because nobody has had the pleasure of enjoying this as much as Dane and I have, but my mom makes this pasta. This has got to be my death row meal. She makes this pasta. It is this fantastic, like, cheesy shrimp pasta with this bacon. It's got, I mean, spinach, tomatoes. I mean, it, it feels healthy, but you know it's not. It fills you up. I mean, it is just so... Absolutely. She does a fantastic job, cooks everything to perfection. That shrimp just melts in your mouth. I could go on for days about this, but mom, on your birthday, I am definitely taking that pasta all day long. I'm going to death row with it. And then for my side, this is where I really go downhill. You know, I, I, I've talked about bread and carbs and everything's filling me up real bad. This death row is going to be brutal. But I just have to take one of my favorite sides of all time. And really, I just think he's just a player that only comes out once a year. But everybody loves him. Uh, you know, from my point of view, he's just so good. I'm going to throw stuffing in there. I love him too much. It's a weird thing to throw in there. But stuffing, it doesn't mix well with any of these other guys. But let me tell you, I'm going to enjoy all three of these bread, bready, carby, fun fillers. Dane? Let's, uh, let's not forget, no one else out there knows because of the technical difficulties during the Thanksgiving episode, but Slate with his number one overall pick in the Thanksgiving food draft took potatoes. Straight up, just potatoes. You didn't know shit about I was prepared. I didn't, make, I didn't make a draft order. We don't have to bring that back up. You know what, Dane? Mom, I'm sorry. I know it's your birthday. Dane, you're an asshole. Right next to you. <laughs> Uh, I love all the carb slate. I'm all about it. Um, so my side is you cannot go wrong with sweet potatoes. One thing that's just it's so cool about sweet potatoes is you don't need to doctor it up. You just need some salt, some pepper, and that's literally all you need with sweet potatoes. So no, I don't matter how you cook it. I don't care how you cook it. Just bring some sweet potatoes in front of me. It's going to be so good. That's my side. 
Okay, great pick. Slade, I'm still kind of a little bit curious how you're going to go ahead and mix the stuffing with the shrimp pasta. I'm a little bit concerned about how that, that meshes together on your plate. But everybody, is it's, it's hilarious. So, I, you know, I've got the jalapeno poppers as my app. I've got the filet mignon as my entree. So for my side, give me that loaded baked potato. And I want the most butter, cheese, sour cream, salt and pepper, bacon bits, chives. I want it all. I want that sucker loaded down. Give me the loaded baked potato. Well, Brent, you actually took mine. I was going to do the sweet potato fries from Twin Peaks, but uh, I changed it up a little bit. I am a big fan of Thanksgiving, just like our buddy Slade here. You can give me the green bean casserole, baby, all day, every day. Hey, those are all great sides. Slade, yours is lacking a little bit, but the other three boys, y'all are just hammering it all the way home. I cannot believe, out of all you farm boys, that I'm getting this as my side. Give me the sweet corn on the cob. Eric, in case you're wondering what kind of sweet corn, the one that I fucking grow. The best sweet corn out there. It is the best out there. I grow it in my backyard. No one else can touch it. Slather on some butter, maybe a little lemon pepper if you're feeling crazy. Hammer it home. And now, with my dessert, I'm taking peach cobbler with just a smidge of vanilla ice cream on top. Hammer it home. I know I won. Doesn't matter what y'all say now. So for mine, you, you literally have to have it to really enjoy it. But pound cake, oh my gosh. There's this guy back home. And he makes pound cake with this, oh, this icing on top. It is to die for. Pound cake. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like something my grandparents would pick. I don't know. If I, if pound cake, I, but I will give it a shot. And I want the, I want, this is going to be a not a popular pick. I want an M&M Blizzard from Dairy Queen. Because to me, there's literally nothing better in this world than a blizzard. So give me the M&M blizzard from Dairy Queen as my dessert. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that pick. That's a good pick, Eric. So for my dessert, I'm a very, I love desserts. Uh, I got a sweet tooth. I'm a very simple man when it comes to it, though. You give me a package of Oreos and a glass of milk, and I will dominate the entire package and probably quarter of a gallon of milk with it so give me the oreos and milk for my dessert i just first want to say that riley is my only friend here on this trip left podcast right now absolutely forgetting thank you riley i i think y'all are all forgetting what death row meal is all about i don't care how it mixes i'm not in here to have you know this good mixture of meals that everybody is going to approve of on twitter I'm picking the one thing I want to go down with. I'm going to dominate each of these one by one. And for that, I'm taking this momentum into my dessert. I don't think this mixes well at all, but guess what? It's freaking scrumptious. I'm going to dominate it. Sopapilla cheesecake is almost impossible to defeat whenever it is done right. Does it go well with pasta? Probably not. Does it go well with stuffing? Hell no. But guess what? I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to walk graciously to that electric chair. Good job, boys. Slade, that's all I got over here. So back to you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you love these draft and fun segments like we do. 
Um, but one thing we really, genuinely, deeply hope you enjoy is our next segment. It's our treasured, it's our beloved, it's our heartfelt Bet the Farm segment of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, 17 weeks strong. It is the Bet the Farm segment of the week. And guess what? It's sponsored by the Beer Box, baby. Stop by the Beer Box for all your liquor, wine, and beer needs. It is located at 705 South Main Street in Vega, Texas. The Triple F is the place to be for the Bet the Farm needs. And the Beer Box is the place to be for beer, wine, liquor, and fun needs. Britt, leader of the clubhouse, take it away. Thank you, Slade. Um, so, this week is tough. Um, so, going into the week, I'm 13-4, and four, and... This has got to be the toughest week we've had all year. Uh, so what's going to happen? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking the Bengals plus one against the Chiefs. Everything is leaning to the Chiefs winning this game, in my opinion. But the, but you're forgetting one thing. You got Joe Shiesty on the other other edge of the field. Give me Joe Shiesty all day. I'm rolling with him. He's hot. He's got the swagger. What What I will tell you, though, is that I think as the week progresses, things are looking good with Patrick Mahomes' ankle. He's practicing already. He's he's feeling great. The line is going to ship. The line is going to bump up. So it's going to continue to rise for the Chiefs. I expect it gets to two to two and a half points by Sunday. So right now I'm taking the Bengals plus one, but I'm not going to actually lock in my 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 money till probably Saturday night or Sunday morning because I think by that time. The line's going to be Bengals plus two, plus two and a half. But give me the Bengals. They're going to win this game. Go Joe Shiesty. That's my lock of the week. Hey, anytime you're rolling with Joe Shiesty, you know that you're feeling good. But I got to I got to tip the hat to Brent. The fact that he has been 13 and four. I don't think that we've quite talked about this enough on the podcast. That I mean, that's pretty good. Tip of the hat, Brent. 13 and fours, really. That's that's pretty amazing. So I have been scratching and clawing to get back to 500. I have not had a great year, but I'm on a three-week win streak, and I am eight and nine. I am one win away from getting back to 500, and that win comes right here with this pick. I think people overreact in the NFL especially. We just watched the Eagles dominate the Giants. We just watched the 49ers struggle and barely squeak out a win against the Cowboys. I think that line is out of control. I think that they have completely overreacted to one week. And I want the 49ers plus two and a half. I really wish I got it at three, but I'm going to take the two and a half. I think I get the better general manager. I think I get the better head coach. I think I get the better roster. I think they have the better quarterback. I think that's the only thing. It's at Philadelphia. It's a little bit. I know it's going to be a tough place to play. But did you see John Lynch sprint down from his executive box up top of that stadium, get down to the field before the Cowboys ran that wreck of a last play? This is a 49ers team that's on a mission. They are hot. They are hungry. And I am amazed that this is not a pick em. So I get points and what I think is the better roster, I'm locking it in. Give me the 49ers plus two and a half. Riley Stock, what do you think? I think on my pick, you can put your mama's land on it. You can put your farm on it. You can put your grandparents' farm on it. You can put everything on it because uh, Joe Shiesty is coming to play, baby. 
You give me the Bengals. I don't want the points. You give me the minus four on the Bengals. Alternate spread. These guys are locked in. Burrow is 3-0 against Mahomes. I got a little stat for you. I've been in the lab all day. Would Eric ask me to be a part of this podcast today? Oh, it's on, baby. So, a little stat for y'all on the three games that they have played against each other. Burrow, 73% completion. Mahomes, 67. Passing yards, 327. Burrow, 250 on Mahomes. Touchdown interception rate, Burrow, 8-1. Mahomes, 6-2. With Burrow, when the lights get brighter, he gets better, baby. Look at LSU, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Made him look amazing. So, one other thing. The Bengals just played the Bills, right? So, Bills, second-ranked defense, second-ranked offense. What do the Bengals do? Only allow 10 points to the offense and put 27 up on that second-ranked defense. Chiefs come in with the 19th-ranked defense. It's on. It is on. Joe Shiesty, Montana Burrow is coming to Burrowhead, and he is taking it over. Bengals by a million. Thank you. Y'all just hear that? Did y'all hear that? That was Riley Stock laying the wood down on that alternate spread. What a pick. That's crazy. I uh, didn't expect you to come in with the heat. Alternate spread. Love the difference. Uh, you know, Eric, you were talking about how tip, tip of the hat to Brent for being 13-4. and four. That's pretty impressive. But is it more impressive to be 4-13? and 13? In my opinion, I think so. I, think, I believe I'm like 4-12-1. I don't really know. Kind of lost track because I don't give a shit anymore. But one thing I do know is the dice have not failed me yet. So we're going back to the old dice roll that has not lost me yet. I got a whole bunch of shit on here. We got, um, okay, I didn't put a four down. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, Chiefs, team total over 24 points. Hammer it. That's all I got to say. And I must say, doesn't feel like a bad pick. I mean, what an electric, a dynamic, an all-out freaking show of the Bet the Farm segment. We thank you so much, Triple F fans, for filling us with life for this segment. We do this for you. Take Brent's advice, you know, and more importantly, take Brent's advice not only on your Bet the Farm needs, but also on your music needs. It's time for the banger of the week. Brent, take us home. All right. Well, thank you guys for this roller coaster of an episode. We thank you for listening, sticking by with us um, all season long, too. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. So the banger of the week, it is going to be O.I. by Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweat. So that's going to be O.H. comma I. It's an absolute banger. It's going to get your weekend started off right. Um, enjoy all the great football we got this weekend. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, just go out there, have a good time, spend time with your family and friends. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next week. got the rhythm and I can feel
until the morning we can't stand still. I've gone from empty to overfilled And in the morning when you cannot wait Cover your eyes You'll read part of every song you sing You'll be happy Yeah. <laughs> 